0: Welcome to CBR's Dynamic Duos. I'm Tiffany Crivelli, and we have an extremely special episode, one that I'm thrilled to share with you. This episode features directors Kemp Powers and Joaquim DeSantos, two of the three directors of Sony's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the eagerly awaited sequel to Into the Spider-Verse. During this conversation, Kemp and Joaquim dive into some comics talk revealing the first comics they read. And they talk about how Across the Spider-Verse isn't just more of the same but bigger. This sequel takes a different approach from Into the Spider-Verse to give fans a fresh experience. So, if you're as excited as I am for Sony's Across the Spider-Verse, then I think you're going to love this episode of Dynamic Duos. What's up, Joaquin? What's
1: up, or, is it, or is it Joaquin? Come on, tell everyone how to properly pronounce your all right, name.
2: All right, I'm going to give you the whole kit and caboodle here. So it's Joaquin okay. Christie, which is my mother's maiden name. Aranya, which is my middle name and our family crest is the spider, ironically. Trindad, yeah. which is Trinity, and Dusantush, which is which is of saints. Trinity of Saints. Say it say it. Fast, say it. Christi, Aranha, Trindad, it nice. I love Port I love Portuguese. <laughs> it is it is <laughs> funny. It's it like to hear it from afar, sometimes I'll hear like Russian people speaking. I'm like, is that are they speak no, they're no, not. Okay. Close, yeah, got <laughs> kind of like similar similar tones, uh, but it's a, it's a confusing one. Uh, what what about, what about you? About what's itself? your what's your full what's the full Kemp
1: Powers name? It's it's Kemp Kemp Willis Powers. Kemp Willis Powers. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, and I unfortunately I'm a Gen Xer, so the sh- the sheer number of times people would go, "Would you talk oh! about Willis?" Oh! name? So, but you know, I, I endured. <laughs> I endured largely thanks to comic yeah. books. You know, that's the funny thing. Is that like. You know, it's it's so weird to be of that generation where comic books are like music. It's just like it's always been in the foreground. It's always been in the background. We were having a conversation earlier today. Remember, like, isn't it crazy how the two things I can remember, the two big firsts I can remember were like the first album I bought with my own money and the first comic book I bought with my own money. You know, the album was Big Daddy Kane's "Long Live the King." FYI, <laughs> and the first, it was two comics in one day. I remember it because I bought them at Brain Damage Comics in Brooklyn, New York. This dude named Carlos ran the shop. It was near my um, it was near my elementary school. I was nine years old. It was Wolverine number yeah. two by Chris Claremont and there Frank Miller, uh, and it was X Men Annual number six, also written by Chris Claremont with art by um bill Sinkevich, who ended up becoming those those ended up being two of my favorite artists and one of my all-time favorite writers in comic books and it was just like a a, a matter of literally weeks from buying those first comic books to being like up to my neck in spider oh my gosh man. you know like what about you yeah like, what were it's, your- <laughs> it's
2: funny that you should say that because the comic book store so i had a couple comic book stores growing up i was lucky i grew up in the valley so comic book stores. You know, they went through their sort of rise and fall and they would come and go. But we had a lot to pick and choose from. Um, But one of the ones that stuck around for a long time was a place called Visual Addiction. And it was on Ventura Boulevard. And it was Mm -hmm. a CD trader slash uh, comic book store. So it was literally those two things together. It was music and comics uh, together. But I remember my first so my first two albums that I bought were Appetite for Destruction and Are You Gonna Go My Way, Lenny Kravitz. (laughs) <laughs> and then uh, first comic uh, was uh, Torment, Spider-Man's Torment. Uh, oh, right. And I, uh, I I, mean, we, we literally were just talking about this, but I have this funny experience because I found in some, you know, you're a kid, this was all pre-internet. This was, I don't even know that it was like Craigslist. It must've been like a LA trader. I don't know what the heck it was, but I found, you know, uh, uh, an ad for somebody that was selling comics at like decent prices because in the, in the comic book stores, Torment was going for huge money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I called up this number and he was like, yeah, 25 bucks. And I was like, so that was like all the money that I had on me ever. Right, like that right. I had amassed over, the, you know, and, uh, we met at the Burger King, that's literally the Burger King that Marty McFly skates by when he's leaving Doc Brown's house, uh, and he sold me the comic. And I, looking at it now, I would never allow my kid to go alone to like a fast food chain to meet a full blown adult <laughs> to sell him comic books. But uh, that right. that was the era. It
1: was a, a different, different time. time for sure, man. I mean, it's it's so crazy. Like by the by the time this conversation airs, I guess it will probably be like a a couple of days before Spider Man Across the Spider Verse comes out and. I don't know about you, but like, do you? you, I know I've got like a safe house planned out in case people don't enjoy (laughs) this film as much. We we hope they. I don't know if you've already got like a go bag packed and like planning to. I've, you know, I've
2: already done the thing where I just, you know, once we put anything, whether it's a trailer or anything, I just, I just shut off for a little bit. You know, I just, I don't do it. It's, it's like a a bubble where I just, I don't want to know either way because I don't want it to inflate me and get my expectations too high. And I don't want it to bum me out and put me into a into a spiral. Uh
1: well you you had a lot of you've had a lot of experience with like franchises too, because I mean you did Voltron, yeah. which is just yeah. and look, I'm gonna be full disclosure, I've never said this to you, but I was that weird kid as a kid who preferred the cars over the oh. lines. I know. I, I oh. actually like this. <laughs> I know I was I, that, I was that weird I know I was that weird <laughs> kid, man, that people were just like how do you not like the lions more than the cars? And I'm like, for those listening, cars is the spaceships, but they look right, like right, cars. Right. But I was always like, well, there's just five with the lion, and it's like they're in space. I just feel like the cars, you're less lonely. Like you can, <laughs> you got date. like an entire, you know what I army. mean? Like there's there so many pilots, you can like have a social event, you can date, and it doesn't feel yeah, incestuous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like I was actually super logical about. Putting myself in the world, living in the world of yeah, Ultron, you run in. You, you quickly so, run into that like the world that's
2: hilarious. In. You you brought it to yeah, the so real world.
1: I really did, and that's what I do with comics. I mean, look, man, that's why I think Spider-Man is probably the most popular comic book character in, in in history because we can relate to Spider-Man more than than any other character. I mean, for me, it was literal because Spider-Man lived in New York, and I lived right. in New York you know? So I'm reading these comic books and I'm seeing landmarks of places that I was in Brooklyn. So the city, Manhattan was a place that was like far enough away that you saw it out your window, but you only go there.
2: It's super interesting that you say that, man, because you know, I grew up, I, you know, I was born in Portugal, but moved here, you know, to, to LA when I was pretty young, man. So literally like my version of New York was through Spider-Man comics. Like that's how I, I hear like Stan Lee's voice over like imagery of, of New York. Is there, I will say like, there's sort of like there was a tropey element that sort of happened. uh, You know, you'd always see like, Oh, these thugs are like shaking down somebody in a back alley and they got like a bat with like a nail in it. And it was like, it seemed almost like (laughs) like the warriors or something like that, which by the way, I love, I love the warriors. Love the Warriors, but too. like, yeah. <laughs> was there, was there, what, what was the reality? What was like the, you were reading the comics, you were living in the environment the comics were sort of based on. Was there right. a disconnect there? Or were you like, no, this is. This no, is
1: no. The, the reality of New York in the eighties was probably closer to what you, your nightmare, like the, the nightmare comic version. Than I would right, admit sure. But the reality is that like the subway was open 24 hours, but after dark, you, you didn't, didn't go, go down there. Yeah. Cause it would be you, and the guys who were gonna like rob you, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everything was covered and not just artistic graffiti, but it was like, you know, scratch. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was a mess. The city was pretty poor in hmm. the 80s. You know, it just came out of bankruptcy. Um, it was like the crack epidemic. I mean, New York was a place that, in my opinion, I felt like only New Yorkers loved, yeah. you know. But that also gave us this kind of like us against the world kind of mentality where you grow up in New York and, the world is, hates you. And meanwhile, you can't imagine yourself being anywhere yeah. else. You, you know what I mean? It was so like the best you, you chip have on your weight. shoulder.
2: It was like the best.
1: Oh, it's an incredible. It's what made the, the New New York and then more specifically Brooklyn mm. Pride were just like, I mean, I remember being a kid. Like, I wore a T-shirt that literally the T-shirt just had the name of my neighborhood on it. It just said like Flatbush. Like that's it. That was a shirt, Dude. you know? <laughs> like, and, and it was like bold for me to wear that shirt and get off the subway in another neighborhood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's just like spinning up a flag. So, and again, like Spider-Man's like the kind of scrappy character that, that really represented that. So when I first learned about Miles Morales, man, I was just like, Oh, this is, this is so great. I wish, I wish I could be a kid again to mm-hmm. be discovering this character, not discovering it as an, as a middle-aged man. Who's got a, a kid of All my right. own, but thankfully my, my kids, you know, they did get to grow up with right. with the Miles Morales and the Spider-Gwen's of the world being being normal, which is I'm not going to lie. It's a lot, a big part of why I was kind of excited to um, be- become a part of this, because, you know, we come from really different backgrounds um, before we came into to Spider-Verse. I had been writing plays and then getting into film and television and live action. And I was just off of my my first animated feature um which was pixar's disney pixar right. soul that's right um and, and you know people don't even realize that like i was working on spider-verse across the spider-verse before soul came out that's in theaters right. like because we wrapped and i was already on board i got like approval from the pixar folks to get to work on this film i just couldn't promote to let anyone know so it was like super duper i secret mean you were coming in I was meetings doing.
2: on spider-verse literally saying like hey I'm good for like 45 minutes. Then I got to go do this press thing for like 45 yeah. minutes and I'm coming <laughs> back in. And it was like, wow, he is in the yeah. middle of, he's in the middle Promoting of Promoting
1: another, yeah. Wow. And, and it's crazy. Like, it's so weird. One of the, it's hard to squeeze a positive out of the COVID lockdown. But in a weird twist of fate, if not for COVID lockdown, I wouldn't have been able to That's do right. it. I yeah. would have, when Phil and Chris came to me and were like, yeah, you know, we, we were we, 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 are you interested in coming on board to, to, to direct a sequel as much as I wanted to, I wouldn't have been able to because I would have been physically traveling to promote Soul, but it's only because we were locked sure. down and I was promoting it from the same table I'm sitting at right now. And we were also in production meetings. Yep at the same table in our homes that I was able to kind of bridge the gap until we got back into the studio.
2: I I remember (laughs) having discussions, whether, you know, in the film we were going to sort of like address COVID and have people masked up. Like we didn't know, we didn't know how long things were going to go. We had no idea if this was going to be the forever times. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was, it's, it's kind of surreal when you, when you think back on it, you know, and, and it's, it's progressed. So, I mean, It's so crazy, man, like seeing and making an animated film, the the idea, you you have this great idea and everyone's excited about it. Then you start making it and there's a long period of time where nothing works. Nothing works. And you're just like, oh my God, is it ever going to work? Is it ever going to make sense? Is it ever going to be funny? Like that's the thing that people don't get too. They're like, oh, well it's Lord Miller. So everything is just a barrel of laughs. And it's like,
2: These jokes don't work for
1: a long time. Or or
2: they work in the beginning, and then you tweak them. Then they get sick of the joke. (laughs) And then you're like, this is not good, right? And it's, no, we've just sat with it for 45 days straight, and you show it to fresh eyes, and they're laughing, yeah, you know, and and you sort of get to relive that, the humor of it and the sort of the punchiness of it through these fresh eyes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, man. The first time we did an audience screening, even though it was like the incomplete film, um, with lots of still like um, layout and, and rough animation, I can't tell you how much of a relief it was to finally have you know, that first audience pre audio screening of the film and just sit there in a theater with like a few yeah. hundred people and just hear them laughing know. you know, and hear yeah. them like,, sh- it was God, we needed it.
2: We needed it. so it's, it's, it's so the much. shot in the arm. it's uh, it's sort of the. I don't want to say it's like vindication, but you know, you spend a lot of time working these things out and it becomes this uh, weird Sisyphus thing that you're rolling up a hill. You don't, you don't know sort of where you're at anymore. You sort you, you start questioning your own abilities and then to see people react yeah. to it, you go like, Oh my gosh, we're not crazy people. Yeah.
1: And cause cause I mean, ultimately man, like you don't, I don't know about you, but like, I hmm. I love original stories and 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 the, and and I like to try to tell the most original stories possible and and if the the plan for this film was just to like do exactly what the first film did but more but right. bigger I I wouldn't have really been interested what excited me was that they didn't want to repeat anything that they'd done that's before right. that's what's yeah. actually exciting because anyone who says that they were like looking forward to the first film and expected it to be that good is a liar, you know, because they are. And the thing is like, I feel like into the spider verse was a film that no one asked for. So I don't want to, I didn't want to fall into this trap where it's like, this is what people want. And it's like, people didn't know what they wanted until they've got it.
2: That's right. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) No, I think you're absolutely right. I think, You know, we're both old enough to sort of remember the before times The the before comic book films were were essentially cinema as my kid knows it now. And so when something I went through this phase where it seemed to me like filmmakers were almost embarrassed of the source material. So they try to like, cover it up and hide it or make everything so bleak. And everybody's got to be clad in like dark leathers. And, and, you know, you got to make it very brooding. And then it sort of went through this golden period where it was like, no, this, this, you know, these are the, 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 the biblical stories we want to tell. And we want to honor, you know, all the, all the stuff that you grew up reading. Uh, And now we've seen, you know, when I came on, you know, when I first started talking about being on Spider-Verse, like there had been a lot of Spider-Man material out there. So I was one of those people and I'm sort of, you know, I'll, I'll gladly sort of wave this flag and say like, okay. I think all the Spider-Man stories have been told my assumption that was that we were going to go into like another Peter story. So when they said Miles Morales, I went, Oh, okay. Now I'm, I'm interested. We're here. We're, we, you know, we've got an opportunity to do something completely new. Um, and you know, I think, I think the film really gave everybody permission on the, on the sequel that we're working on the first film, into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. To just sort of shuck convention, you know, to sort of go against yeah. Yeah. all these rules that have been established uh, by fandom, totally. essentially.
1: And, and I mean, see, I want to, I don't know about you, but like, I wanted to see in this film a fully realized Miles. Mm. Like, the, the journey of the first one was so great, but it was... Look, Truly, like an ensemble, where it's like you know, Peter B is a tremendous, and and it and it's like this time, it's like we obviously we do a we do a jump in time in this film. Miles has had a growth spurt. I I was so excited to get a chance to tell the story where Miles is a fully realized, competent Spider-Man. You you know what I mean? Because that's that's a key thing with this. It's like you have all these Spider people from different worlds, and it's like we everyone has to accept and believe that this person on their own. Is single handedly the Spider Man protecting right. their city. And, and that can't happen if Miles still stays in like the barely competent, you know, role that he was, which was wonderful for the first film. So it's like in a world where Miles is a fully realized, fully competent, fully capable Spider Man, you know, how what kind of story can we tell that's equally as as compelling as as that right. first as one? Is that or while still like Bring him in this family because he's so unique, right. man. He's got both parents at home, man. Aunt May doesn't care what Peter Parker's up she to. Has no <laughs> she has no clue. She has no clue and doesn't have, right. need to right. have a right. no clue. Miles has helicopter right. parents. You right. know what I mean? Like his dad's a cop for Christ's sake. Like he's that's right uh, his, his mom is like his best yeah. friend. So I don't know, man. Like it's, that's that's pretty exciting to 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 kind of like okay, what is the fully realized version? of of Miles, where he's not a mentee anymore. That's right. How is what kind of film is that? I'm not
2: be? chickening out on that idea because I, yeah. I think one thing that's really important is that it comes across the first moment that you see him. You know, my anybody who's you know married or related to a filmmaker has this little inside track as to like what the film, how it's shaping up. If I'm looking at a cut at home, my wife will come in and then she'll watch the scene down with me. And it's really cool mm. to hear her take because it's sort of that fresh eye, or my son's take. Uh, mm. And the the thing that she noticed, that both of them noticed actually, was they both said a version of like, "Oh, he's figured it out." Look, Miles, he's figured it out because yeah. it's down to the way he moves, it's down to the way he reacts yeah. to situations, it's down to how he's able to sort of vacillate between Miles and Spider Man and sort of go back and forth and keep that, you know, keep those, you know, plates spinning. Uh so yeah the fact that they can come in for two minutes, look at a scene and understand right. that Miles has evolved, to me, was starting yeah. to tell me, oh, we're doing we're doing something right.
1: Yeah, man, you gotta feel the audience has to feel okay, comfortable with the idea of this spy every spider person being someone who's watching their yeah. back and protecting their safety. And and that's and I think that's like a really that was really an important place to be at. From from honestly, from the very beginning of the film. You know, the other challenging element of this, of course, is that, you know, we learn so much more about Gwen as mm-hmm. well, you know, and Gwen is almost, you know, Gwen is really the co lead. And it's, 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 you know, people, people, they'll, they'll find out when they, when they see this, but like, you know, our story opens right. on Gwen. You know, uh, I think that's common knowledge already, but it's like her friendship, her relationship to, towards Miles, like, that, that was always one of the most com- compelling elements of, of the first film. And I, and I really think, I'm, I'm really happy with the evolution of, of the story that, that we go into with this one. I mean, of course, the technical elements of it, you know, the animation that everyone talks about in, in, the, in the first film, uh, similarly, like, you don't want to just tell the same story but bigger. I, I think the production team, and, uh, you know, Justin's not here, but the third director, um, you know, Justin Thompson, who was the production That's designer right. on the That's first right. film, they don't want to repeat their work either. That's right. So I think that it was like, okay, one thing we don't want to do is have this film look just like that film we just cool. made and, and talk about like taking on, uh, I, most people say an unnecessary challenge, but man, <laughs> do I think, I think it's do I think that the team passed it with flying colors,
2: man? I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a M- MMA fighter that, uh, has this quote that I find, uh, hilarious and he says it's super necessary and I think for them it was super necessary you know the the sort of like most basic conceit here that the the is the idea that you know if the first film was about these characters sort of invading miles space he's now doing the exact opposite so it's he's this sort of singular element that's out in all these various different places and what does that mean I remember we had hours and hours of conversation alone you know, around the idea of like, how much of the world does Miles take on when he travels into somebody else's space? Yes. You know, and does he take on degrees of it? Does he give himself visually wholeheartedly to that world? That is like something that on screen you may not really even pick up on, but it's debated ad nauseum for, you know, what feels like time eternal uh, uh, with the filmmakers because it's very, very important.
1: Yeah, man. So like, I guess we better wrap this up now. So I, it's, it, just for, I'm sure people are curious about this thing, but like Easter eggs are a big part, I think, of any animated film. And, you know, everyone's encouraged from the story artists to the, you know, the animators to the directors and the producers to mm. put little kind of things that are important to them into the into the film. And I'm just curious. I, I know I've got one or two, and I'm just curious, like, is there anything that you are pretty excited about It might even be like one of those blinking you miss it, or you're guaranteed to miss it little things you popped into the film.
2: Boy, I mean, it's with this film, it's almost too big a question to ask. Uh, But I will say there's, there's a couple for me. So I think one is with this project in particular, but every project that, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to work on, I secretly try to work with people that I absolutely loved as a fan growing up. So the, Opportunity to to work with comic book artists that were huge influences to me, and have the hand of the artist uh, on you know on screen. So yeah. working with both Rick Leonardi uh, and Brian Stelfreeze was that's, oh, yeah. for me that's a huge Easter egg. It's like something I never thought I'd get I'd get to say. Um, yeah. Both yeah. lending their skills uh, to you know Brian with with sort of figuring out the look of Jessica Drew. Yes, Drew and Drew. Right. Right. Hmm. Yeah, uh, and Rick who you know essentially like there is no 2099 without without Rick right uh, so seeing Rick's inking and having him take passes over the character to bring to sort of fuse that look with this this concept of uh us him living in a world that's very conceptual based on like the art of Ron Cobb and Sydney. yeah that's the synth- the synthesis there is like I mean that's that to me is like the artist's easter egg
1: totally totally i mean there's a lot of those artists i mean you know i mentioned bill sinkevich at the Mm. beginning and you know bill sinkevich came in and did some design work for some poster concepts yes so you know just inviting the whole comic book world in here i I mean for me my easter eggs are they're little moments in the film um a a couple of them as well i mean one of them when miles before miles goes out across the spider-verse so to speak when he's still in his world he's wearing um, a, a basketball jersey. Yes. And obviously I'm a New Yorker, lifelong, suffering New York Knicks fan. You know, I've been known to even insert a Knicks joke or two into other things like soul. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and for this one, I couldn't resist another little, because Miles' universe is not our universe. Yes. And we decided to make, in his world, the Knicks are the Brooklyn Knicks. So his jersey is Knicks colors, but it says Brooklyn. And then on the back of the jersey for the player name, it says Sham God. Hmm. Now, if you're like a hardcore basketball New York person, there's this guy named God Shamgod God, who was a playground legend who didn't really play in the NBA very long. Yeah. But he is notable for having like one of the best crossover dribbles that anyone's ever had. It was such an amazing crossover dribble it inspired the crossover dribble. It's called the Sham God crossover. Love it. And you'll see it. NBA players, you'll see Steph Curry. You'll see, you've see, you seen a million NBA players do this dribble that is known as the Sham God. And it's one of those ankle-breaking dribbles that you only do <laughs> when you are dominating your opponent. Yeah. And it's humiliating. It embarrasses. Yeah. But the God Sham God only had a very short NBA career. So in my mind, in my imagination, in Miles' world, God Sham God was the All Star Hall of Fame player for the Brooklyn Knicks. I love so it. So Miles' jersey says Sham God on the back, and that's you only cool. see it in like a couple of frames <laughs> in in his bedroom when he gets up from his bed. Do you see the the Sham God on the
2: back? And that's there, kind of like, there is a reality where that happens. Yeah, there's a
1: an homage to one of the all time playground basketball New York greats. That's beautiful. That's yeah.
2: beautiful, man. Uh, that was fun, man.
1: That Thanks was a lot everybody. of fun. Yeah.
2: All right. Let's get back to uh, finishing this film now.
1: Yeah, let's finish this movie up so we can rest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Kemp and Joaquin for making such a great episode. And don't forget, if you want to check out Sony's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, it opens in theaters on June 2nd, and you can buy tickets right now. If you have a minute before you head off, please rate and review this podcast. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Dynamic Duos.